0: So you know that my parents have started to learn how to dance, another one of my dad's bright ideas. Dad started out a little shaky.
1: Ow! Call somebody! It hit
0: my dad pretty hard and I was happy to try and help cheer him up, but I may have done a little too good of a job because I think we might have created a monster. Dad, you got to get back out there. you got to try again. I can get stronger.
1: I can get better. I can make progress. I just need one thing, you know what it is, Ross?
0: He's really going for it. Like talk of an intervention going for it. So dad's been traveling the world on what he calls this vision quest, tracking down the best of the best dance teachers. He's going to Moscow and finding ballet teachers. He's hanging out with the B-Boys in Philly. And mom's calling it a three-quarter life crisis. I don't know who's right, but what I do know is that dad is on fire for dance. Dancing. I think that my mom thought and hoped that this would be the end of dance for my dad, but we all know it's just the beginning. This is something that like all families do, right? Like I'm not crazy or anything. No vision quest needed here.
1: I'm Toby, I'm one of the pastors here at Cross Timbers, and whether you're joining us at Denton or joining us online, I know what you're thinking. Number one, you're thinking, why is that kid wearing his wife's shirt in that video? I know that's the first thing you're thinking. (laughs) Come on, somebody, that's funny. Number two, you're thinking, what in the world is this dancing with the sloughs thing? Well, uh, I serve as one of the pastors here, and one of the, uh, one of the things I carry really strongly in me is as a, as a pastor, as a leader, as a guide, as one of the people responsible for those who call this place home, is I am uh, called by God to help put people on a path to their very best life. We believe that the very best life is found in Jesus Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit, that we were called to grow, that we were that there's always another step and that the kingdom moves and so we move. And so this year we launched out in a brand new initiative uh, called a Spiritual Growth Pathway. It's really just a series of commitments that thousands of us have made together, not not some formula to get better, but just a path to begin to grow in Christ. And so we began the year saying, you know, it begins with a, a commitment to get in, that we're gonna make a commitment to Christ and his church mistakes and all imperfections and all we have them the church has them but we're going to commit to Jesus who's in charge of all of that and once we made that commitment because the kingdom is about moving our lives is about another step in the next commitment that we have all come many of us have come to is we want to get healthy right we we want to we want to get set free from the things that are holding us back from our full life in Christ and so we've been talking about that and then We came in the third quarter and we talked about, well, what does it mean to get strong, right? Like lots of us are really good at when we get in the ditch, we're going to call out to God. But what if we got stronger before we found ourselves in the ditch? What would it mean to a life of spiritual health? And so we've been talking about that and we're wrapping up this year with this thing called get going, which is, I think, the missing piece in the church. I think... Lots of people are in on getting in and getting strong and getting healthy, and what do you got for me? But I think we forget that the whole point of this thing is to see more people come to know God, to see more people experience the joy that we're experiencing. So MOVE, and this final part of this series is all about finding creative ways to help you understand that you have a vital role to play in the kingdom of God. You know, Jesus' disciples came to him, and they It's really interesting, I don't have time to get into it today, but what they didn't ask him, they were watching his life, they were seeing his power, they were seeing this abundance, his peace, and they didn't say, well, teach us how to preach like you preach, or heal like you heal. Remember what they asked him? Hey, would you teach us how to pray? They understood that the source of his power was a source beyond himself, so can you teach us how to connect to God, the way you're connecting to God. And if you've ever watched a professional sporting event in a a locker room, you've heard what we call the Lord's Prayer. And so I thought today from Matthew 6 that we would just pray this prayer together out loud with enthusiasm. How about that? How about we pray it, not like it's the Pledge of Allegiance or a da-da-da-da-da, but we pray it as joining Jesus in his heart for our Our country our state our world and our personal lives okay so he says this then is how you should pray everybody together our Father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us today our daily bread forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. You know, um, I believe a huge part of what I do on the weekends here is to give you what I am sensing is God's perspective about the world we live in. I think, that's a, I think if, if I don't do that, I have failed in my responsibility here as a pastor. And it's a different perspective because we live in a world that we can see, and yet we operate in a kingdom that we cannot see. But the answers to life's questions will never be found in a world that we can see, but in a kingdom. That we cannot see okay and when we pray our father who art in heaven hallowed be your name may your kingdom come and may your will be done i'm wondering if we truly understand what we're asking god to do because what the bible says jesus goes on to say in luke chapter 17 that the kingdom of god is within you the kingdom of God, a very real place where there, the rule and reign of Christ, where there are kingdom values, where there's kingdom perspective, Christ in you is the hope of glory. So when you're saying, may your kingdom come, you're not saying, hey, beat me up, Scotty. You know, what you're saying is, God, would you release your kingdom out of my life in the lives of people that I'm around? So you've got this world that we live in that we see with all of its imperfections, all of its junk, uh, all of its misplaced values. And then you've got a kingdom that we cannot see. And there's a gap in between your, your will be done, your kingdom come, and what we live in. Is this correct? Look at me. The church was designed to stand in that gap. Why? Because the kingdom of God is within us. When I say the church, I ain't talking about a building. I ain't talking about a denomination. I'm talking about you and I'm talking about me. Okay? That our role, the reason God gives us breath is to demonstrate to a world what it looks like to represent the king in what we say, how we respond, and how we act. That, that's our role. That's not government's role. That's not... Uh, city leader's roles, that's not the school's role. That is people who pray, may your kingdom come and your will be done. Imperfect people who have given their lives the best way they know how to Jesus. That's our job, right? Our job is to bring the kingdom to bear, What does it look like to represent the king? Because I've got great news for you today. The wider the gap gets between the values of the kingdom and the value of the world, the greater the opportunity the church has to make a lasting impact on this planet. Amen. So I'm going to say this weekend, we got as big an opportunity as we've ever had if we begin to live as representatives of the king. If we begin to see things Through the eyes of God. If we begin to value what God values and believe with our lives that there's a king and we ain't him. Okay? So I want to, because here's the thing. Get strong. The third part of our pathway, you learn what your spiritual gifts are, what God created you to do, how your passion, your personality, your gift is, how it can be used for the kingdom. But if you don't get this representative thing right, you miss it. If you don't get at a core level, what does it mean to represent the king? So I've got, in the next 17 minutes, I've got four things that I want you to write down. I want you to think about how this would play out in your life. If nothing else, I want to be intentionally practical about where we are in the world today and what our role is to stand in that gap. Everybody with me? Come on, encourage your brother. Come on, somebody. Okay, so... I'm going to tell you what does it mean. What does it look like to represent the king? To stand in that gap. Number one, kingdom people have patience with the process. I just thought I'd start there and just take all the air out of the room. Why? Because we have Western minds. We think in Western ways. We like silver bullets, easy answers, and immediate results. And we have come to believe. Most of us. That if there's not an easy answer, black and white, instantaneous results, there's something wrong with us us, or there's something wrong with God. Patience is not a value on the planet, but patience is a value in the kingdom. Okay, so that's why the Bible, when Jesus describes the kingdom, he says it's like a mustard seed that somebody planted in his field. Uh, He talks about it being like, a little leaven that leavens a whole loaf that the kingdom of God advances listen to me incrementally what, what am I saying hey millennials look at me God ain't Google okay you can't punch it in and get instant results God I mean I've said this for years you knew people think it's hilarious you other, everybody else will roll their eyes but we're all looking for a microwave experience and God is a crockpot God because roast take, tastes better in the crockpot than it does in the microwave come on Right, So there's something God's working out in us So we have to trust That God is at work in the process When it's not happening The way we want it to happen Okay Your faith gets built When God doesn't work in your timing Your faith gets built In a God you cannot see When he's orchestrating things in the heavenlies That you have not yet experienced So Christians ought to be the most annoyingly optimistic people on the planet because we're a part of invisible kingdom where God is at work, but it's a mustard seed and it's a little leaven. Okay, so I've said this for months. I said it before the big election. I'm going to say it now. The answer, the silver bullet to our country's problems will never be found no matter who's in office. doesn't matter. Okay, and there's no quick fixes. It took us a while to walk into non-kingdom values, and it's gonna take us a while to walk out. But God is at work. God is at work, okay? So p- there's patience in the process. And here's the great thing. Like, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. I mean, I'm, I want the low-hanging fruit. Look at <laughs> people Amen. First time the man's talked in church for years, and he's amen. I, I mean, I'm just... Now, oh, that's funny. I'm looking... Jesus loves you, you're going to heaven, but that wasn't funny. Uh, <laughs> I lost completely where I was. Now I gotta go back here with my nose. You win. What, I, what I'm saying is, you're going, you, you know, we become spiritual schizophrenics, I think lots of us do. We'll go this way for a while, let's work on this for a while, let's look on this for a while. Listen, in the kingdom, there's one priority. One, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and I'll take care of everything else. Okay? In fact, Jesus, the master teacher. Simple doesn't mean shallow, friends, it just means simple. If for you, deep and spiritual means you gotta rub your chin and go, hmm, I need to really think about that, you're gonna be disappointed in the teaching of Jesus. Jesus used to do ordinary things. He's walking down the road with his disciples, and he says, Hey, look, dude, it's a bird. We, don't, we ain't got no jobs. And some of you are worried about where we're going to eat. If God takes care of those birds, he's going to take care of you. All right? Like, it's going to get cold. I've been, I've been to Israel when it's cold. It's going to get cold. They knew it was going to get cold, and their coats were tattered. I don't think it was a fashion deal. Peter won't know that about fashion. But he says, hey, look at those flowers over there. If he's going to clothe the flowers of the fields, he's going to take care of you. Which means this, kingdom people, they get concerned about their world, but they're not consumed. They may not have the answer, but they're seeking first the kingdom. And they believe that Jesus meant it when he said, I'll take care of everything else. It's not going to happen the way I want it to happen. It's not going to happen in, in the timing I want it to happen. But I'm seeking first the kingdom. I'm not going to be consumed I'm not going to be, I'm not going to stick my head in the sand and act like there's not an issue, but I'm not going to be consumed about why. Because I'm seeking first the kingdom and Jesus promised he'll take care of everything else if I seek first the kingdom. I'm just a little leaven, I'm just a little mustard seed. I'm just going to do what I can do. Y'all with me? Yes, sir. Again, there's patience in the process in the kingdom. This is what kingdom people do. This is what a kingdom people look like. This is what it means to stand in the gap. Number three, we're going to camp out here for a few minutes. So just settle in. What does it look like to represent the king? Radical love. Radical love. A different kind of love that you find in a world that you can see and much more effective in a kingdom that you can't see. Mark chapter 12, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. I don't know what they were debating, but they were debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one answered Jesus is this. Hear, o Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. Just love God the best way you know how to love God. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There are no commandments greater than these. It's why Paul, if you've ever been to a wedding, you've heard Paul's words. Now these three things abide, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is, if I have supernatural faith to move a mountain, but I don't have love, I ain't got nothing. Why? Because Jesus said it. The call of people in the kingdom is to love God the best way they know how and to love people. Radically, unconditionally, dangerously love people. I would submit to you this weekend that if you go do what lots of us here are doing, if you're new here, just do what we're doing. We just found an easier to read translation of the Bible. We just read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John over and over and over and over again. And what you'll find is, is that Jesus loved on the margins. Jesus loved the marginalized. That the radical kingdom of Jesus exploded, not because of miracles, those were simply testimonies to who he was in the flesh but because people who had not experienced value, worth, and love were finding it in Jesus Christ. It was the spark empowered by the Holy Spirit that began the movement that we're all experiencing today. So, love God, love people. is radical love and everybody says amen but like, let's, go, let's get down and dirty and talk about what that love looks like. Okay, Just from the life of Jesus. What what does it look like? I mean, we can all amen that, yeah, we're supposed to love people, but what does it look like? Well, there's so many places in Scripture I could go. uh, It was really hard to narrow this down because so much of Jesus' life is about loving people that were hard to love. It's Jesus having, the Bible says he has to go through Samaria when no self-respecting Jew would be found in some area and he meets a woman at the well and he brings value and worth to this lady. We could talk about that story. We could talk about a woman caught in the very act of adultery. And now he said, I don't condemn you. I got a better life for you. We could talk about a guy who spent all of his money on doctors and said, I'm out of money. I don't have any other hopes. Since I have no other options, I'm coming to you. I've tried everything else. And Jesus said, come on, I'll hear, your, I'll, hear your, I'll hear your kid. But I love this story in Luke 10 because someone asked the question, and who is my neighbor? If it's the big deal is for me to love my neighbor, who is my neighbor? And Jesus says, well, let me tell you a story. And he tells this story, and we won't go into the whole story, but he tells this story about the the members of the in crowd going down this road in Jericho and coming upon a member of the out crowd that has been robbed and beaten and left for dead on the side of the road. And it's really convicting to those of us who have given our lives to full-time ministry, but it ought to be convicting to those of you who have the necessary distraction of a job, but you're still in full-time ministry, that it's priests and rabbis and religious leaders, those who were seen at the top were the ones that ignored him. The Bible says a Samaritan, we're back to the ones that no self-respecting Jew would have anything to do with. He's the one who saw the poor Jew on the side of the road and he's the one who picked him up, who nursed him, put him on his donkey, took him to an inn and paid some money so that the guy could could find life again, physical help. And Jesus says at the end of that, Jesus asked the question, so, so which one's the neighbor, the ones that are on the inn or the ones that are on the out? The ones who got it right in all these other areas are the one that we won't have anything to do with. And he said, well, it, it, it has to be the Samaritan. He says, then you go and do likewise. Love is hard, man. Love in the kingdom is hard because it goes against our natural instincts. It's risky to love. It's courageous to love the way Jesus loved. I just wrote down some words that when you think about not only this story, supposing, but in the life of Jesus, like I'll just give you four words that I think love looks like. Number one, it looks like empathy. It's a decision to enter the world of other people. Not expect other people to enter our world. Right? It's not sending the message as a carrier of the kingdom. As soon as you act like, talk like, think like, and believe like me, you're welcome. It's welcome home. We draw circles Not lines. We're looking for ways to include you, not exclude you. It's one of the main criticisms of Jesus, and it's one of the main fears of many believers that keep us from loving like Jesus loved. We're scared to death, some of us who have known Christ a long time, just to be honest to you seekers, we're scared to death of being labeled by our own as soft on sin. And then we read the Bible and find out that's exactly what they accuse Jesus of. Why? Because the radical way he loved people. Uh, empathy. Second word I would have you write is this it's the word honor. <laughs> hey, everybody, look at me. It is possible to disagree without dishonoring someone. Is it possible? It's possible. It's hard, but it's possible. It's grace and truth, not truth and grace. It's honoring people that you don't agree with. In fact, I would say that one of the greatest tests of my faith is to honor somebody that I disagree with passionately about something about. That's where my faith gets forged. It's not hard to love people that I agree with. They're doing, saying, reacting, valuing what I'm valuing. But the mark of a kingdom carrier is, I may not disagree with you, but I refuse to dishonor you. That's what Jesus did. He brought value and dignity to everyone he met. You know what's really hard for me, church pay? All you church people look at me. True confession time. It's really hard for me to see the way Jesus loved Pharisees because it's pretty easy for me to get Pharisaical about the Pharisees. Go read the book of Luke and what you're going to find is Jesus loved the Pharisees too. He didn't didn't agree. He said, you're putting burdens on people you should never put on burdens. Put burdens on. You're, you're, You're drawing lines and closing the doors to the table. You're the antithesis of welcome home. But... But, but, and he said, had pretty strong words in disagreement, but he didn't dishonor. Number three, the word I would give is uh, humility. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality of God something to be grasped. But taking the very nature of a servant and being found in human likeness, he humbled himself. He emptied himself. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. Humility frees me from the need to always be right. Can I get a witness from anybody? Can we admit that in this country we have a desperate need to be right? That's why there's no civil disagreement anymore. (sighs) Right? I mean, so here's the deal. Last week, I would have taught this last weekend if we hadn't had a guest. I was in San Diego. Uh, I was in California during the election. Let that sink in for just a minute, okay? <laughs> Two hours difference. I'm in, church, I'm in meetings, mentoring young pastors. Uh, Mike and I go back, I'm old, I go to bed, man. I mean, I'm go to, it's, early, I mean it's, it's late at home and I'm in bed and I wake up the next morning and I've got a couple of texts and we turn on the news and we find out who wins. The election and I thought about what I had told you the week before some are elated and some are deflated right and I was hoping you were to remember not trite words but words that would give you hope because we ought to be the most annoyingly optimistic people on the planet because Jesus is still on the throne there's still a kingdom right Jesus is still at work whether you're elated or deflated so we go through the day and I've got meetings all morning and we're doing stuff with lead pastors and and, and, and we get in the car and we get to the airport and I've got about an hour to catch my breath. And so what do you do when you have an hour to catch your breath? Come on, so what, do you, what does everybody do when you have extra time? I'm gonna read some news. And I go to Facebook. <laughs> I had two thoughts. Number one, the first thought was, man, did, like, if I was a president, the first thing I'd do is I'd go Vladimir Putin and I would cancel Facebook. I'd do it, that's what I would do. Why, number one, listen to me, number one, because the divisiveness and the hatred that I was seeing on my screen made me sick to my stomach. And hear me, what broke my heart, it was kingdom carriers, entrenched in their position. Everybody was taking a stand Everybody want, I mean, everybody wanted to make a statement. Hey, everybody look at me, especially millennials. The kingdom needs people to make statements. Not, the kingdom needs less statements and more people taking a stand. And the stand is for radical love. Here's the thing, man. I'm old. I'm getting older. I have discovered that it is impossible for me to get it right 100% of the time. So my goal is not to always be right. My goal is to always love people. That's our goal is to love people. And as long as I have to be right, I have to have the last word, I cannot be effective in the kingdom. I mean, I would, I would ban Facebook for a month just to watch how much happier everybody is. And when national news is reporting on the divisive nature of social media, why it's not these kids in social media, it's people like us who have to be right, who have to set everybody straight. I'm just defending Jesus. Jesus can defend himself. You just love people. Be passionate. Just don't disagree, just don't dishonor. That's how we stand in the gap. People see us as kingdom people, citizens of another kingdom, not acting like people who aren't in the kingdom. Have I got anybody's attention yet? Yes, sir. Bob Goff says this Don't let being right talk you out of being kind. We represent the kingdom. And the true test is how do I respond and react when I feel passionately about something and you see it differently than me. I just, I have this radical perspective that we don't have to compromise anything we believe and can be known as the people who radically love people who don't see it the way we see it. Right, so like, I need to intentionally, I mean, not being unkind is not enough if you're a follower of Jesus. What Jesus says about the neighbor is, he enters somebody else's world. He doesn't expect them to enter his. Empathy, humility. Do you know people that are, I mean, I'm not talking about you work with people. I mean, do you know people who have radically different views than you have about, name your thing. Are you having conversations with them to understand where they're coming from or are you having conversations to make a point? How will we ever stand in the gap as believers if people see with our lives that we all just group up with people who see it just the way we see it? Jesus radically moved outside of what was circle without compromise. Well, he was Jesus. No, he was an every way man. I think it's the call of God in our lives. It's radical love. Y'all with me on this? Yes, Hard, but true. And then finally, <laughs> it's patience with the prods. Process, it's a kingdom first priority. That's the lens I'm gonna look at life. I'm gonna fight the need to be consumed. I'm gonna care, but I'm not gonna be consumed. I'm gonna have a kingdom perspective. Number three, it's radical love. And the fourth thing is this. We're gonna fight for unity in Jesus Christ. Okay, we're gonna fight for unity in Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus said in Luke 14 that a kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. It can't stand. That the ultimate work of The enemy is to divide God's kingdom. We're going to stand for unity. We're going to fight for unity. Why? Because that was Jesus' prayer for us. That Jesus prays for his disciples and then the Bible says he prays, For the world in John 17, he says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray for those who will believe in me through this message. Anybody believe in Jesus through the message he preached in the Bible? Anybody in this room? He's praying for you. So listen really carefully to what he says. I pray also for those who will believe me through this message that they may all be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so the world may believe that you have sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you have sent me and love them even as you love me. Let me tell you something. Here's how people outside the kingdom come to trust the Christ of the kingdom. They see unity in diversity in the church. They see people who have distinctly different points of view about issues, but they are united around the person of Jesus Christ. They see something supernatural happening in the church that ain't happening outside of the church. They see people radically committed to entering one another's worlds, relieving themselves of the need to be right, to be first. They see people who are known what they're for, not what they're against. They see the body of Christ as a beautiful place I am grateful to be a part of a church filled with Democrats, Republicans, Independents, strong women, strong men people who have it all figured out and people who don't have a clue. I love the fact that we come from different backgrounds, that I got college kids who are just starting to figure it out, that I got people who are in their retirement years who have the wisdom that the Spirit has given them through the years and that there's no condescension there. I'm grateful for young people who know what they do not know and I'm grateful for older people who will give the rest of their life to pour that into the life of that generation that is to come. I like the fact that we have to fight for unity, that's your attention in the room. When I start talking about loving people and the implications of it, I like that. I think it's a picture of Christ and his church. I have said for 17 years, one God, the Father, one Christ, the Son, and one Holy Spirit, one regenerative process, being born again, Sprinkling, dunking, whatever, pray whatever. one being born again is what unifies us. Red, yellow, black, white, pick your dominational background, pick your political preference, pick your hot button issue. If we agree on those things, we have unity in Jesus Christ. And if we don't, my goal is not to convince you, but to love you and let the Holy Spirit do his work. It's radical, but we got to fight for unity, man. The world's got to see something here different than what they're seeing everywhere else. I just think, man, like for me, I just speak for me. For me, when I don't radically love, when I let things divide, whether than bring together that, that you, you know, you're, you're pre-millennial, a-millennial, you know, it's, we, we fight about these things that when I let those things divide me, it's like in me, it's like this fear that if I don't get it right, somehow God's not going to accept me. He knows my heart, man. He knows your heart. He cares more about your heart being surrendered to him than mental assent on some issue. You hear what I'm saying? I mean, here's the deal, like, do not be afraid, little flock, Jesus said, because it gives me pleasure to give you the kingdom. Like, what you and I get scared of all the time is like, what if we look up and we're like down the wrong road? I I mean, I just served this, this little map on my phone, man. Like, this, this reminds me of God. Because I've got a little ADD and I get distracted and, the, and I turn the deal down and I'm listening to music and all of a sudden, like, I'm supposed to be going north and I'm headed south, right? And I'm like, where am I? And I hit the button on here. And what does this thing say? Rerouting. It don't spank me. It, it just gets me back on the right track. Like, you're so scared. Listen to me. The Holy Spirit lives in you. The, God knows your heart. Sometimes he goes, don't worry, man, just rerouting, rerouting. <laughs> I don't want to spank you. I don't want to punish you. It may take you longer to get there than you want to get, right? There may not be no all where you can get you some filling station burrito, which is the best thing on the planet. <laughs> but the deal is I'm, I'm going to get you there, right? I think if like we could let go of the fear, like we'd be free to radically love people like you and me could vehemently disagree on something you passionately care about and we could really love each other. There wouldn't be anything we couldn't talk about and your perspective wouldn't threaten me and my perspective wouldn't threaten you. And a world that doesn't know Christ would go, I'm sick of that crap I'm seeing out there. I want some of that. This is what changes the world, my friends. You know how a movement starts? People start moving. (laughs) That's how a movement starts. A movement starts when people filled with the Holy Spirit to the best of their ability, move out and say, I'm gonna do everything I can do to love like Jesus loved. I'm gonna fight for unity. I'm gonna keep a kingdom perspective. I'm gonna be patient in the process. So I've been talking a lot about not turning on the news. I'm an old guy, so I like to watch the weather, but I don't turn on the news part of it. But I did have someone the other day send me, and some of you may have seen this. It's kind of gone viral on some of our social media sites, but it was something CNN reported that happened this past summer uh, here in our city. You want to know what unity looks like? You You want to know what radical love looks like? Where you, where you love somebody in spite of the fact that you have very opposing views on something that matters greatly to you. I want you to watch this.
0: Too black,
1: too to the to the to the I can't just sit back and, and feel this way without trying to change it. Black Lives Matter and stuff, we all matter. Hell, sir. This is how you kick down the wall. This
0: is how you kick down the wall.
1: It's time for us to stop this today.
0: No more walls. Today, we're going to show the rest of the country how we came together. Everybody get it in here, man. Everybody get it in. Everybody get it in. Everybody get it in. Everybody get it in. And I thank you so much as I am so humble that you allowed us to come a long time ago. And that today, Pray again. Thank you so much. I pray that
1: everybody. Makes it. Amen. 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 No padded pews. No chairs. No cool worship band. That's the church. Amen. Amen. That's what. Jesus gave his life for you know what the gospel is Galatians 6 there is neither we are all one in Christ no Jew nor Greek slave nor free male nor female we're one in Christ it's time to radically love and fight for unity and stand in the gap and be the answer to Jesus prayer may your kingdom come and may your will be done through me on earth as it is in heaven. Now, everything I just told you that everybody either got mad about or got revved up about is not possible without the power of a risen, reigning Christ in your life. I I don't have that capacity to love like that. In my flesh, I can't do it. But the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. And here's the, here's the cool thing is all I have to do is step toward Jesus. And he'll give me what the Bible says, the will and the power, which means he'll, make me, he'll help me want to and then he'll give me the ability to follow through on what I want to. So I don't know where you find yourself today. We're gonna take communion together. We're gonna take a little cracker that reminds us that we are one in Jesus. We're gonna drink a cup of juice that reminds us that Every sin, past, present, and future was paid for at the cross of Christ that Jesus saw potential in every person, value and worth, not in where they should be, but where they are. And maybe your prayer this day as you take communion as a believer is, Lord, would you give me the power to to live like Jesus lived? Would you give me new eyes to see? I don't want to conform any longer to the pattern of this world. I want to be transformed by the renewing of my mind and Jesus, only you can do it. Maybe some of you go, I don't know if I want to. Just ask this, this. I want you to ask you to pray this prayer. God, would you fix my water? Because I ought to want to, but I don't even want to. Would you help me want to? Would you line up my desires with your desires? God honors that prayer. Come on, man. Has anybody ever heard something in church going, I don't want to do that? It may be right, but I don't want to do that. Just ask, I'm one of those courageous preaching prayers. Would you fix my water? Because it's broke. I don't want to. And I believe God could do something powerful even in this moment. So if you're a follower of Jesus, I invite you to take this little cracker, to drink this little cup of juice. If you're not a follower of Jesus, this would be the moment for you to say, you know what? I wanna be a part of a movement like that. I'll give my life to a guy like that. I'll be a part of a group of people who wanna live that kind of life. Warts and all, they're not gonna get it right. But, but God knows their heart. I want to get rerouted. This would be the time for you. So, can we pray and we'll receive this together? Father, thank you in Jesus' name for the way you lived your life and showed us what the kingdom looked like. I thank you for radical love because <laughs> I need it. I've been so unlovable, so unmovable, so stubborn, so set in my way, so sure of my path. And yet, just softly and tenderly, (laughs) you call me. And even in this moment, when I have not arrived, I am a work in progress. (laughs) There's so much stuff that you need to root out of my life. I am so grateful that you would go to the cross and die for me. And I thank you, Father, that your blood shed on the cross is power over my past and that your resurrected body is assurance of my power in the future. I'm grateful that I have more authority than I think I have, that I have more strength than I think I have. I have more love in me than I think I have because of you. So even this day, as we take this little cup, we eat this little cracker, we commit and recommit ourselves to the ministry of reconciliation. May our lives be about drawing circles and not lines. May we be honoring. May we be known as a people for something. May your kingdom come. And may your will be done. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.